right, and welcome back. My name is Drew, and as always, I'm joined by Dirk, Josh, and Corey. Boys, how's it going? Uh, going pretty good. Um, the Devils finally played with a full squad last night against the Rangers, and it was it was as regular season as a preseason game can get, and it was an absolute shellacking. The power play is going to be dangerous on both lines, and that's what it is. It's not just one line. It's it's two dangerous, dangerous power play lines. So, yeah, I'm good. Had a nice skate this morning. Uh, how's it going, Dirk? Doing pretty good out here. Yeah, not nothing too exciting new going on out here. Corey, how how's everything out in Denverland? And are you an Avalanche fan yet? No. Um. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say I was better. I tweaked my knee on Sunday, and as of this morning, it's now popping every time I walk or every time I bend it. Yeah, that you that should probably go see an orthopedist. Yeah, no, I already have a I have an MRI scheduled on the seventeenth and um thankfully no structural damage, nothing to the bones or the kneecap or anything, but I'm worried it is something regarding my meniscus because I have I'm not stressed out about like whatever it is i'll deal with it i just don't know what it is and i don't want to put these random thoughts in my head like oh my god yeah. i have a meniscus tear because yeah. i can slightly walk on it you know yeah it's like not even worth thinking about like, no at this exactly point. yeah the mri nothing it's not painful is it uh i would say just like while i'm just like right now it's like a one or a two but whenever i'm moving it's like a five to a six like at the time it was like an eight to a nine yeah yeah, you pro you you need to get the MRI and figure out what it is. It's not worth speculating. Exactly. Yeah, I just wanted. I, well, I, I'm just annoyed because I don't know what it is, and it's just like I did it just walking down some stairs. They'll probably have to cut it off. Yeah, don't get into that <laughs> WebMD amputation. Yeah, I think. yeah, don't get into that WebMD syndrome. Yeah. Oh God, no! I I hate that site. It's but hey, man, they're really good bionic limbs now. So, like, you may be a better skater, runner, walker with a bionic limb than you were with two human limbs. I mean, I've been playing this game called uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That's got a yep. bunch of cy cyber stuff. I don't know. I can get, like, a robotic leg. I could not get into that game. I, I, I tried it on the computer, and there were so many glitches and, like, just stupid stuff that I could not could not get into it. Um I was really excited for it, though. But that is a great segue, because I don't know if Dirk and Corey know, but we are finally getting Dented Puck Gaming up and running. I uh, we, that, yeah. We got to play a little bit of NHL 24 on Tuesday and got absolutely shellacked. <laughs> yeah, Josh right. did not Josh did not just, like, quit like a baby in the middle, like, with, like Josh, five minutes left. Josh, like Josh made it through eight, we played, what, eight? 10 games, something like Let's that. Josh was playing defense on three on three, eight to 10 games. And, and like, when you play with blind people, like, you get hung out to try. It's just, that's what happens. Like, sometimes we just don't see the fuck turn around. So I was just like, I was taking it and taking it, taking it. I was like, and they could hear my frustration grow as I'm, as I'm like reacting to every goal. Then I was just like, I'm done, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> So how does it work? Are you three playing together on a team against other site, uh, random people? Yeah. Or yeah, oh, okay. 
Not yeah. just random people, actual teams. So these are guys who play together normally. There's the, oh, yeah. the biggest issue for us was that because the game is brand spanking new, uh, we weren't able to alter our away or our alternate jerseys. So the, the by default, the NHL game makes home teams yellow with black shoulders and away teams white with black shoulders. So they don't even differentiate the jerseys oh, yeah. from type to type. And on top of that, even though we all changed our names in the system, it always switched us back to Jordan NHL number 24. So we were all wearing white jerseys with black shoulders with number 24. And it's just the, it was chaos. That's brutal. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, it's, it's a new game. You know, I think that as we progress, it'll get easier. Uh, you know, once we figure out all the, ins and outs of setting up our actual team i think that'll be uh, a lot easier on us I, the the I mean, numbers I need my post check and my back skating <laughs> well the number the passing is there the, the numbers there. Are color are really the killer oh yeah for us absolutely like that's that's what makes those games unplayable we actually quit one or two of them one was we were both black and the other we were yellow and and white so it's like what are you gonna do um but no, I'm excited. We're going to start streaming. Uh, Actually, Blind Gaming is our tag on Twitch. Um, we're going to try and get it out to YouTube and Facebook and all that fun stuff, too. Um, but it's really, you know, it's an opportunity to uh, kind Show of do people what we can do with hockey. And yeah. Showing people that we can still play the game and we are just like every other gamer out there and that we rage quit sometimes. Uh, yeah. And the same way we are creating a community on Discord because I mean we all like 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 you guys just heard we all play different games too, and everybody's got different games. So uh, if you go to the dentedfuck.com and we have a gaming page, uh, there's a link to both our Twitch page and our Discord channel there. Hop on the Discord channel, join a Discord channel, and hopefully we can create a community of gamers there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just getting started, so you know we'll get there. But um, I'm just excited that we're finally getting it going. We've been talking about it for a while, uh, dude. A year, a year, yeah, legit a year. Been really awesome to play with Tony. Uh, he's been great, and you know, just like in blind hockey, he is our go-to scorer. Uh, it's funny because in in the NHL game, uh, if you aren't a part of the club, every time you play a game with them, you get. It starts you at zero points. Yeah. So it's funny to see Tony climb our rankings in one game after Josh and I played on the same team for what, like 20, 30 games, and Tony will just bump above us in points every game, every time. Um but no, it's just been it's been a good it's been a good experience and I I'm excited to keep keep doing it. Um what else? Those listening, we will have a blind hockey uh, blind hockey community meeting next Thursday, um, yep. next Thursday night on Zoom and Facebook Live. So if you want to participate, uh, you can have the Zoom link. If you just want to watch, it will also be on Facebook Live, barring us figuring out exactly how to do it right, and then all the technical complications going our way. Yep. Um, and then we have the classic coming up in November, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, looks like we should have some good numbers, and, and it should be a pretty good time. The Blackhawks are putting in a lot of, lot of weight behind this. They're they're really pushing to give us a good experience and and a good time. So, 
uh, I'm very excited for for that. Uh, good. Can that good experience start Thursday night? No, no. Well, it's worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yes, they they do have a Fivo link for us for tickets to the game uh, Thursday night. That is the Blackhawks versus the Lightning. They also have the link available for Sunday because the Blackhawks are playing, uh, I think, Nashville. Um, but it's 50 bucks a, a ticket. Uh, it's in a specific section. I don't remember what the section is off of offhand. Um, the Chicago blind team and myself are working really closely with the Blackhawks to see if we can kind of finagle anything else into that package. But, um, you know, yeah, the Blackhawks are definitely, uh, man, like, it's, I feel like it's easy for me to say because I'm in Chicago and they're my team, but like they've really uh, done a lot more than I expected, and I'm just blown away by the support we're getting from them. So awesome, great, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, now let's let's talk about um, let's talk about this last week's podcast. We've had so we've had the Cal the Calgies. We've had Christine and Victoria. We've Emma, Emma, Sitska, Sitska, and I think that's it for female representative. For female, female, we are going to get it. <laughs> if we miss somebody, we're going to deservedly get it. Yeah, but that's okay. No, I don't think we had. Oh wait, we had the woman from uh, Philadelphia. Forget her name right oh, now. Oh yeah, Kelsey. Yeah, I'm talking. Kelsey, there we go. Talking Why no? But I'm just saying. Yeah, well, whatever we had uh, Cohen's mom on too, like, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, we've we've had some really amazing female guests on here. Uh, I always like to throw out that Christine was the first uh, female to score a goal in international blind hockey. Like, that's I feel like that's a cool statistic to have attached to your name. Um, until we had Hillary on. And I think that maybe the coolest statistic to have your name is the only blind hockey player to ever score a shootout goal. Yeah, in a regular sighted uh, in a regular sighted yeah. hockey game with yeah. a regular puck. Incredible. Yeah. That's 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 great. That was a good story. Yeah, and and I know who we missed, Gianna. Mm. Oh my goodness! Sorry, G. Yes. Oh, she's gonna murder all of you. I hope she doesn't yeah, listen to this one. They're gonna see me first. Gianna, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> uh, she owes me anyway. I'm gonna come back on one leg. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hillary. I I was really lucky and fortunate. I got to play on Hillary's team with the Hawks in Toronto for their open division play. Um, it was kind of like a Kevin Brown experience for me. I had no idea she was a B one. I just like her ability to track the puck to get the puck into the places it needed to go to shoot you know get around people was incredible to me and to find out later on that she is a b1 it's just it blows my mind um but super smart too man i, I think i said it in the podcast but definitely the most intelligent conversation i think that we've had uh yeah any podcast um, I mean, you don't get into Oxford by accident. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just in, in a, it was a very interesting take. You know, there were some things that, you know, we talked about the 
what do they call the girls and women's the division in Canada? yeah yeah is that, yeah. is that or is it just women no i think they call it girls and women's okay yeah i mean i think it was interesting to get her take on some of the things that really worked well for that and some of the things that maybe as you know as successful as may as some people may have hoped um but i i think that <laughs> women's and girls blind ice hockey having her as kind of a champion along with christine and victoria and gianna uh why amanda Amanda. Oh my God, we're forgetting Amanda. We didn't, we didn't have her on the. We didn't have her on the show. But talking about like yeah. women that are are becoming leaders in our community and really helping push that needle forward for them, um, that that group is just incredible. In in a in an already incredible group of people, it seems like they they keep kind of outdoing the rest of us. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic episode. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it again, a very intelligent conversation. And, um, you know, we are just really happy to have her on. And I think it was a really great episode. And we hope that you guys all enjoyed as much as we did. Hey, guys, what's up? Dirk here. Just want to take a quick time out to talk to you about Conway and Banks. For blind hockey players, hockey bags are one of the most important pieces of equipment we own. I've got to tell you, there aren't many bags out there that can match up to this one. The Hockey Bag by Conway & Banks not only rolls, includes ventilation, it also has a contrast color bottom and my favorite feature, interior bag compartments. Imagine having a hockey bag so well organized you can find anything you need in seconds with or without vision. Conway & Banks have partnered with the Dented Puck Foundation to bring these amazing bags to the blind hockey community. By using the link in our bio or the code DENTPUCK10, that's D-E-N-T-P-U-C-K-1-0 on the Conway & Banks website, you can save 10% on your purchase and it will help support the foundation. All right, Hillary, well, welcome to the show. We're really happy to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys? think we're all doing pretty good uh so let's let's just get into it let's start talking about you a little bit so um sounds great if you care to share what is your vision impairment and what kind of classification are you um so i recently got classified as a b1 um just uh, about a month ago at the um canadian blind hockey summer training camp um and uh the vision impairments that I have are quite a number. Um, uh, cataracts, um, I'm missing the majority of my retina in my right eye. And then I developed a condition called opsoclonus myoclonus in 2016, which took kind of the majority of my vision. Wow. Okay. Wow. So just, you got really, really lucky in, in the vision impairment draw. <laughs> Yeah, so I was born without a retina in my right eye, so I've been basically blind in one eye since birth. Um, so I've never had great depth perception, so I haven't, it wasn't totally new being introduced to the world of vision impairment, but it was, I, I, I never had low enough vision to be classified as legally blind, so it it was daunting, definitely, from that perspective. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, and uh, Dirk and Josh, you guys obviously didn't play with us, but I was lucky to play with Hillary in Toronto in March. Uh, and Kevin Brown levels of B1, like you were keeping the puck in really well at the point. You had some really good shots. You know, you, you're you're tracking really well. So uh, I'm... Thank you. For, for all of that that you have to go through to play the game, I think that's you're doing fantastically. Thank you. Yeah, it was just a lot of communication and um, lots of training. My main sport, I, I'm on this podcast for, for ice hockey, as we call it here in the UK, but my main sport is actually blind soccer, blind football. And I feel like that gives me a lot of training advantages when I play blind hockey. Because in that sport, you're totally blindfolded and you really have to rely just on sound and tactile information. So I feel like basically training for soccer really helps my hockey game. Yeah, I bet. Um, Do you find it's hard to track the, like, do you find that every rink is its own challenge because the acoustics are always different at at every rink and depending on the level of fans in in the stands yelling? Um. Yeah, like um, I attended when um, the U.S. national team played the Canadian national team back in March. Um, I attended that game where all the elementary school kids were there. Oh, that was so loud. And I talked to Kevin afterwards and I just said I I wouldn't have been able to do what you did. I was overwhelmed just standing in the arena trying to listen to what was happening. I, I couldn't follow any aspect of the game. So I ended up just going back to the change room. So I'm not like, there's definitely times when it is too much or like if there's warm up music happening, like that kind of stuff really, it can make the game completely inaccessible. Yeah. When they do like the warm up music, um, I don't, I don't skate around nearly. I don't get to really warm up because I can't, I rely on a lot of hearing their skate blade. So if someone's, if they're they're playing music, I, I'm not going to see someone right in front of me until I'm running them over. And yeah. Yeah. And so the last thing you want to was, both them and you. Yeah. Yeah. Or even when they, when they would do it, like just to change up, I was just skating to the bench yeah. and running over my own guys trying to get off the ice. I'm not even moving. That and, and then so no trying to figure hurt. out like where the reps yeah. were for the face off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. definitely a challenge. Like it's, it's nice to have the music because you're like, wow, we're they're treating us like a real, like they're, uh, you know, yeah, but well, it's at, more at the for same the fans, time, I think, too. Yeah, it's more for the fans, but for us, it's like, oh my god, this is brutal. <laughs> yeah, 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 and but, I definitely, I understand. Like the event in March was really good because so many people attended and had such a great time. But that is kind of like unlike other Paralympic sports, where the crowd does have to be like maintain a certain level of quiet yeah. as well. Yeah, I actually didn't know that it. It it is an actual rule in the blind hockey rule book that the crowd is supposed to be quiet. While oh, really? Play. Yeah i I was like, that is not. Can you can you imagine <laughs> a bunch of hockey? I just thought that that quiet? I just thought that you, they totally overlooked that rule. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's like bring a bunch of ten year olds in here, be quiet, and watch this hockey game. <laughs> Like it'll work in yeah. the Paralympics uh, on a that, on a like, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Like, kids on a yeah. Friday at a hockey rink in Toronto. Yeah, they're going to be screaming regardless <laughs> of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of funny you say screaming. So, um, 
my mother was born in Dorset, so I've known Nathan for a while since I basically was the first one of the first couple of people that reached out to me when I joined Blind Hockey. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, like in talking to him, I, I've I've known about you for a while, and and he showed me the penalty shot, and I saw the penalty <laughs> shot before I knew you were a B one. And oh, really? My fir- yeah. In my first Blind Hockey game, I that I learned that Kevin was a B one while playing with him. And so literally like my response to him when he was like, yeah, there's a guy out here that can basically ju- that can maybe just see his hand in front of his face. And I was like, no, that's not possible. He goes, yeah, it's me. I go, no, you can't. <laughs> and I was yeah. after playing with him and, and I had watched the video. He goes, and she's a B1. I'm like, no, she's not. That was <laughs> that was unbelievable because like the, the sound after that. Can you uh, why don't you explain a little bit more about what I'm talking about? Because it's got to be your story to tell. <laughs> Yeah, so this is probably the highlight of my life, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's a it's a kind of a long s- story because there's a bit of back to it. So I'll try and be a bit quick and brief. But um, oh, no, it's all you. You want to take a time into it? Feel free. Okay, so um, I currently go to school at the University of Oxford, and the University of Oxford, thanks to Nathan Tree, is the only university in the world that I'm aware of that has a blind ice hockey program. Um, So I attend practices and I actually play on the women's blues varsity team. Um, It's a different level than hockey than Canada, but it's still very competitive and we get a lot of international players from basically all around the world. So it's a really incredible experience and I'm playing sighted hockey three to four times a week. So more than I ever played growing up or more than I could ever dream of playing currently in Canada. Um, The team has just been exceptional. The club has been exceptional. And when I first joined, they actually approached our main rivals, Cambridge University, um, and asked, could we try playing with the blind puck in the first period of this game? This was two years ago now. Um, at that time, I wasn't comfortable playing in any like game like situation without the blind puck at all. Um, so I, I only went on when the blind puck was on. They agreed it was great. Um, we thought that they had a good time, and it was really cool because it was the first game in Europe um, to be played with a blind puck. So that was also really like historic and exciting. Um, This was back in 2021. Over that entire year, we unfortunately had a lot of trouble with Cambridge University um, and Oxford University Sport um, Federation regarding the use of blind puck in game fixtures. Um, There was a lot of very kind of superficial, I would say, concerns regarding... um, why the blind puck shouldn't be allowed or why I, I as a blind player shouldn't be allowed. Some of them were legitimate concerns such as like, well, what if um, a blind, like a blind hockey puck breaks the glass or something? Is it going to like injure somebody more? So those were simple things to like answer and get back to them about because we play it all the time in North America and we really don't have those issues except for Emily McLean who just shattered the glass the summer camp with the blind puck um really? in august yeah wow and, and off a deflection 
Off a deflection. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's the hardest shot. I, yeah, wow. she's ridiculous. Amazing. Um, but some of their questions were also around, like, does playing with this adaptation and with a blind player on your team lower our kind of caliber as what is known between Oxford and Cambridge as like a blues level sport. Um, so it's this kind of quirky system that's very unique to Oxford and Cambridge. No one knows of it outside of Oxford and Cambridge, but everyone within those two universities thinks that it is the epitome of athletic achievement to get one, um, to get a, a blue basically. Um, so Cambridge, their women's team were worried that this would jeopardize their chances of getting a blue if they allowed um, the puck to be used in one of their games, specifically the varsity game, which is our kind of annual challenge match against them. Um, and it was this big fight. My team, again, was incredible. And I get emotional like, talking about it because they, um, like without me even asking, they did um, a petition or sorry, not a petition, they did a survey with my team and said, if Hillary isn't allowed to play um, in this varsity game, do we still want to play? And and everyone said no. So that was like wow. just amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> that, like, yeah. That, yeah. That's the hockey community, right? That's what team yeah. is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And they were, they were willing to give up this, the match of the year just to stand with me. Um, wow. So the next year, this is the kind of season 2022-2023, we're going into it um, definitely more confident. We have some of these things smoothed out now. Um, we're definitely going to play with the blind puck in the um, first period of the varsity match against Cambridge. So that was really exciting. Everything was sorted out, and the varsity match is also going to be in Oxford that um this year so it was going to be a home game which was really exciting um so um since playing with this team i've just felt so much more comfortable trying new things um including playing the majority of the time with the regular puck um i actually find that that really helps my game in terms of as a defenseman um I just try and play more positional hockey rather than trying to get the puck away from people. And I find when I play with the blind puck, it's almost like I get too focused on it. And then people like can really deke me out because um, they can kind of like dangle it to one side. I'm like, oh, it's over there. <laughs> and then you kind of start chasing it and then yeah. they just kind of pull it back. Whereas if you're playing positional hockey, like your, your blades and your body position, like they don't need to change that quickly. Yeah. As, as quick as the puck does so um yeah so i've been playing like every shift every game that i could with this team um going every practice playing with the regular puck and with the blind puck um and this leads us to the varsity match against cambridge this past year um we ran in um i i think really strong both teams went in really strong both goalies were incredible both goalies were canadian <laughs> shout out to Canadian goalies um, for being the backstop for both teams and uh, we ended up going into a shootout um, during the shootout um, our first three players and their first three players I believe all tried to go in and kind of deke the goalie 
um and we're just all like stonewalled by, by each goalie um so that led to a fourth shooter from each team same thing happened and our coach on the bench just kind of said okay who wants to go <laughs> because like we had sent basically our, our top shooters to do those three shots and i just i don't know what came over me but i was just like i'll give it a try <laughs> um nice I, uh, I have no, I don't know that I would ever do that again, but maybe. Um, and I asked our coach, Kim, Kim Slasser, um, like, Kim, what, what should I do? Where should I aim? Um, or like, what should I be doing? And she just said, just go in and fire it as hard as you can. So I skate up to the center and I actually, I'm sweeping for the puck and I knock it. And the ref actually gets me in trouble for that. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. uh, but on the video it's framed as oh and the ref's just helping her there but he was getting me into trouble <laughs> for, for touching mm -hmm. it understandably not knowing that I was blind um, and then thankfully the crowd really quieted down and I had no plan going in and I feel like you're supposed to always have a plan going in for <laughs> uh, a shootout <laughs> um, and other than just shooting it hard, but I didn't know like I'm going to shoot like top right or anything. No plan. It was just going and hit it hard. Um, so I skated to what I thought was probably like over the blue line and then just like hit it as hard as I could and waited to see which bench like erupted into cheers <laughs> before I just like threw my hands up in the air and just like collapsed on the ice. Um, and my team all rushed out and it was just incredible. And then we realized, oh, shoot, Cambridge still needs to take one more shot. <laughs> um, so we all had to <laughs> scramble off the ice. <laughs> we probably looked like assholes, but... Um, no, you didn't. They, yeah. knew, no. they knew exactly who you were. They knew exactly why. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they also yeah. know that in that moment, they would have done the same thing and then also been like, oh, 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 crap, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they... I'm... Yeah, their their final shooter missed the net or goalie, I think, saved it or kind of edged her out. And that that was it. And every you guys must have gotten nuts. Time, yeah, I was <laughs> like just crying and swearing and <laughs> um swear swearing swears of joy, of course. Um and yeah, it was just the most surreal moment and I gave all that backstory because it wasn't just me scoring a goal it was everything behind that um and building up to it and the club that fully empowered me and enabled me to not only be a good hockey like a blind hockey player and a confident blind hockey player but um a full member of like oxford women's blues like ice hockey team um so yeah that that's that I still get like goosebumps every time I, I think about it. My parents were watching it at home in Canada. My mom was watching it on the couch. My dad had it on in his pharmacy that he works at. Mm -hmm. and they're all going nuts because they're probably I shocked. Bet. Like, why why is the blind player also going up to take the shot? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I have the video saved and I often just listen to it because it gives me such a, a boost. And let no, me I'm tell reading you about it on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't just you came over the blue line and shot. Like, 
this was not looking like a B1. This was not looking blind. Like, you came in looking like you knew what you were doing and then just picked it. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> it was just like, it was it was one of those that like, you don't expect. And, and it's one of those that people are like, yeah, you're not blind. And that's why, yeah. you know, that's also the other reason we kind of do what we do. Because we're, we're capable and we're capable of the point that a lot of people don't understand what real, like, what that blindness really isn't truly that much of a disability. Yeah, and it's, depending on, like, the environment, too, like, I was walking to class today and um, with my guide dog, Margarita, and I felt disabled in terms of, like, I knew that I needed Margarita to be with me. But when I'm on the ice, I know the parameters, I know my equipment, I can anticipate the play, um, like you forget that you're blind. Um, at least I do in those circumstances. Oh, absolutely. When you play hockey, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let let's go that way. Um, because you are a Canadian attending Oxford. Uh what what led you to Oxford and what are you studying there? Um, so I am at Oxford studying a uh, master of philosophy in modern Middle Eastern studies with Arabic. Um, nice. awesome and yeah that's cool thank you <laughs> it's a program that's not available in Canada at all or anything similar so I was actually looking at it was between um, Oxford um, Harvard uh, and Columbia um, but Oxford had the ice hockey program so they got me <laughs> yeah yep yeah see <laughs> that, that's always going to be the winner <laughs> yeah absolutely so, yeah, have you picked I don't up- know. You could have joined my team. I'm, in, I'm in New York area, so. Uh, Columbia, I, I was too intimidated by Columbia, to be honest. Yeah. I, it just seemed like, I felt like New York would swallow me up. <laughs> yeah, New York is. And I know that, like, Columbia is kind of off, like, on its own, but I don't know. No, totally understandable. Totally understandable. Yeah. And I'm sorry, what was your, your major again? Um, modern Middle Eastern studies with Arabic. It's so, like all one title. So what drew you to that? Uh, it's the best question and one that I'm still, I think, developing an answer for, um, just because I think I'm still trying to understand what led me to this path. I think it's definitely a combination of, um, Basically, I went into school um, post-secondary for health science um, right after high school. Um, And two years later, I started, or three years later, I started losing my vision um, unexpectedly. And at that time, I was also just trying to figure out, okay, what do I actually want to do? Because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing in university. I was actually thinking of dropping out. just thinking like, well, I'm obviously not cut out for university because I can't, like, I can barely pass these science or math courses. And um, then losing my vision, I think, may, gave me a wake-up call for everything, like realizing what do I actually want to do? Um, I think that science and math, like I was going to be, I was planning on being a doctor because at least for me, that was one of the very, few definitions of success that I had in my mind and it 
took, I think, losing my vision, going to university and being exposed to different people and cultures to understand what else is out there. Um, so this is all kind of also happening in tandem with um, the major refugee crisis of um, Syrians uh, coming into Canada. So this is kind of 2015, 2016, or 2014 to 2016 time period. So, um, and the kind of hatred and animosity towards people in those communities, I just couldn't fathom or understand how we could judge somebody so quickly without meeting them or talking to them or even saying, I, I've actually met a person that's a new Canadian. Um, so that's, I think, what initially sparked my interest. Um, and since then, I've actually kind of delved more into um, the U.S.'s involvement in the Middle East. Um, There's I'm, a lot of it. My, <laughs> a bit too much. <laughs> I think all of us were nodding. <laughs> I was, yeah, I wasn't sure how that I was going to go over when I said it too. Um, but just, uh, yeah, it, for me, like this, this kind of thing is, I, I could go down a rabbit hole every night and it's like the funnest thing in the world, just doing research about it, like following money trails and reading government documents and even like company tax returns. Like I just find that incredibly fascinating. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of where it started, but it didn't necessarily um, in, inform my studies where I am now. Gotcha. And yeah, I'm, I feel like in, in the United States, you'll, you'll get that same kind of, I don't necessarily want to say polarizing, but I feel like it is a polarizing topic. There are people that, yeah, you know, firmly. Well, ours is at the southern border. Ours is ours is ours is the southern border. That well, I'm, it's, I'm it's talking polar. about our our involvement in the Middle East. Oh uh, well, I mean, but this, this is the same same yeah. way that that she got involved in the Syria with with the Syrian refugees in Canada. We we have kind of that polarizing topic like that in, down south, not in the southern border. Um, yeah. Sorry. Well, and and the like the Muslim ban, for instance. Um, when that happened, when Trump implemented that, and feel free to cut this out if it's too political for your podcast, my hometown, um, the mosque was burnt down. Um, and that really shook me too, thinking like, it's it's right here. Like this isn't happening somewhere down south. It's not happening in smaller towns. It's happening everywhere in Canada. Like you can't um, claim ignorance or naivety to, to these types of things anymore. So, um, yeah, th I think that was also like a big thing. Yeah, and I mean, you you can't claim naivety to to much of it. I mean, I'm uh, I'm Jewish, yeah. and I was bar mitzvahed in Israel. Um, but my college roommate married a Lebanese girl, and we sat there at my my other Jewish roommate's wedding, literally just losing it over just the hatred of of the gaza strip in the middle east because there's just too much killing for no reason and like yeah. but it goes on so long and there's so much about about you know the middle east and it's whether it's now or whether it's the past it's just and in, even our involvement but it's that's like i i was in, it's a very interesting topic and there's yeah. so much out there and there's so much in connections like you're finding and like you're seeing
It's, yeah. that's and, a, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I actually, so I was deciding between kind of two different routes for my thesis topic. And I'm mentioning this just because I think some people might relate to it. I was actually looking at, um, in 2017, I did research in Oman and the UAE on accessibility and looking at um, basically how accessibility is perceived differently in um, uh, th those kind of Gulf countries in the Middle East compared to North America. Um, and I was thinking about kind of pursuing that, but for me, I, I chose not to, even though I think it's a really important topic um, and I would like to investigate it further in the future. For me, it's um, I think it would be emotionally exhausting to do a thesis on that um, just because it's so close to like who, like my identity and who I am. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then the other topic I'm looking at is um, us oil and gas companies in Israel. And I know that there's a risk of studying that. Um, and like, I, I, I know that like I likely won't be able to ever go to Israel or like, like, I, or if I study in the U.S., like, I, I know that I'll be, like, on, like, these different lists that these right-wing groups have. Because if you study Israel in any kind of way that's positive towards human rights, I guess, um, you're flagged. So that was also a big calculation, but I felt safe enough to, to do it in the U.K. at least. But those, so that was a goal a long time ago. These theses have been, this thesis have been in your mind for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I can completely understand how accessibility, the, the survey and accessibility can can hit hard and you know keep hitting because you kind of know you we, we can always be surprised, but we kind of know how different groups are treated in in a lot of these Middle Eastern communities, and and you kind of know exactly what you're in for. So I, I totally get it. Yeah, that, but also I think just. I think it forces you to reflect on like one thing that I really appreciated learning about accessibility, at least in the two countries that I visited, Oman and the UAE, was accessibility in North America and much of Europe is equated with independence. Um, whereas, at least from my perspective, accessibility in those two Gulf states are associated with um, a robust community backing you. So rather than saying like, oh, you don't need a you don't need a cane to get around, it's because somebody would always be taking you to like oh, like somebody would always be available to take you to the grocery store or something. So I thought that was at least like really interesting and mm. made me also reflect on is accessibility necessarily equated with independence or should it be? So it is really interesting, but it is it's just emotionally exhausting. No, that is interesting. Question. So. Well, and yeah. it's, it's a cultural thing too, because I feel like United yeah. States, Canada, most of Europe, it's expected that you make for yourself. Uh, yeah, and, bootstraps. Yeah, and like a lot of, I mean, I would even say like Asian countries, Middle Eastern, it is about community coming together to support the whole and the individual. Um, and yeah, yeah, and we see that with human rights as well. Lots of yeah. focus or emphasis on individual rights in North America, whereas 
collective or community rights are often emphasized elsewhere. Man, I feel like this is the most intelligent conversation we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> you can cut I, this I all out so. if you want. You no, it's like no, no, no. <laughs> I preface that. I'm like, guys, you got to know. This is going to be, a, we're going to have to be on our game. She goes to Oxford. <laughs> did I got that? Did, did, did I have to explain to you what Oxford was? <laughs> no, I know what Oxford was. So with with this major in mind, what is the do you have an end goal, a job? Are you trying to move into like the diplomatic corps? Are you trying to be a right? Like what what do you think you would like to do with this? Um, I think I really want to work in public policy, whether that's informing it from an outside perspective, um, like a nonprofit. I'm definitely hesitant to work with think tanks, depending on where they are just based on what think tanks are. They're, they're meant to influence politicians. Um, but I also wouldn't mind working like within a government as well, uh, the Canadian government. Um, I think moving back and forth over the past couple of years has been really hard. <laughs> so I think I need just kind of a stable job um, kind of maybe stable government job for the next couple of years after this, but I am definitely interested in pursuing a PhD. I don't, I can't stay away from school for too long without really missing it. Um, so, and I think I will look at um, US schools for that. Just it's much easier to kind of complete a PhD in North America than it is to in the UK, at least if you're from North America. So, yeah. Yeah, no concrete plans, but some aspirations. Very cool. And so is your, I mean, not necessarily along those lines, but having lived in England as long as you have now, do you lean more towards wanting to stay in the EU or do you, is your, you, you know, your final destination is definitely Canada, US, wherever it may be in North America? Um, I'm pretty convinced, unfortunately, that I won't be living at least in the UK. It's just too difficult with guide dogs to get back and forth. Um, like getting into the UK is just a nightmare if you have a guide dog and it's very expensive as well um, because they, they are technically an island and they treat themselves as such with any dogs that come in, including service animals. So, um, but I would definitely consider, I think, other countries in the EU um, I'm kind of like, I'm open to trying things. I just don't want to be moving back and forth like a college student that's age 20 when I'm 28 <laughs> um, yeah. forever. Awesome. But that's currently what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to follow your, your dream and your goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's know, so many online degrees now too. Exactly. And hey, if yeah. you need a place in the U.S., Chicago has some really great schools and we have a blind hockey team. You and do, you do. and we're much cooler than New York. Now okay. you're gonna get the I'll DC pitch from Dirk, or try no, to get you to no. go to Maine. Don't go to DC; it's hot. <laughs> go, go to Maine. You're so close to Canada. You could be in Montreal in like two and a half hours driving. Okay. And then I'll, I'll let you know. Boat. Everyone can send me a proposal. <laughs> All right. Hey man, now we're now we're recruiting. We need people to go under the table. Yeah, that's a feather in the hat of any program. You got a B one defenseman that is the only blind hockey player to ever score in a shootout. I think that that's 
That's like a $10 million contract, eight years easy. At least. <laughs> PWHL At least. just happened. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess since we're back on hockey, like what are your what are your goals in hockey? Where where would you like to be? Is is national team something that you're hopeful for? Or is that just like you want to have fun and, and compete every, you know, national tournament? Um, I think my goals are kind of micro and macro in that I have goals for myself um, and for kind of the short term. Ideally, I would love to make the national men's team. I know, I know that it's not called the, the men's team, but it, it really, at least at this point, except for, for Amanda, it's the, the national men's team. Um, but I don't know. And maybe this is insecurity that other blind hockey players feel. Like I just sometimes feel like I've hit a wall with my development. Um, so I, I don't know if I could ever get there. Um, like I tried goalie actually in March because I am a B1, I'm just like, well, can I get higher? Maybe playing goalie because I love that competitive nature and like those high level competitions. Um, but I don't know. I'll keep working at it. And like in well, March, you- I was just blown away by the level of skill, by the number of like Canadians players that were there that I, I just don't think at, at this point it's necessarily realistic for, for me to be on that national team. So looking more long-term, I'm really, really hoping to develop the women's program. Um, not for the sake of having a women's national team, but for the sake of having more women on the ice, I think benefits everyone, um, women and girls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to give them, yeah, and to give them the confidence to play at a high level with others that are at, at, you know, at, at or about their same level. So it's, you know, yeah. it's more competitive for you guys. Yeah. And can yeah, we let you stuff- guys teach them how to play and not Dirk, because we don't need any more Seaskas. Hey, I'll teach, <laughs> Hey, I'll teach you guys to be a whole team. I'll of Yeah. Right? No, you do not need a team of Seaskas. <laughs> yeah, you do. Seaskas great. Seaska can take a wallop and. That- I, I remember playing with her in Ottawa that, that weekend that you got injured, Dirk. Oh yeah. And, yeah, she's intense. She, just, she made the team this year, right? Or this past year? Yes. Yeah, both yeah. last two yeah. years. Uh, uh, oh, last two years. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I, I know, for instance, there's a lot of women who, um, and girls, who playing men's and women's hockey is, is very different. So playing in that open division, if you're a guy, it might come off as really normal. But if you're a woman or a girl who's used to playing female hockey, um, and not just in, not in terms of the physicality or anything like that. It's just really in terms of the communication styles. Um, and by communication styles, I mean that women have something and men seem to have nothing. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, at least my team did on the ice. <laughs> Everyone was so quiet and they kept on telling me like, why are you shooting at the, like at the other team? I'm like, cause I, I need you guys to tell me that there's other players there. Like no one was talking. So oh, in Toronto, I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. find that there's more communication with the women's teams. Not perfect, but more <laughs> and a yeah. bit more kind of camaraderie on the ice. Like there's not, there's very rarely will you get like you know, like there, there's these guys in hockey, and maybe you guys are some of them. I don't know. <laughs> 
that like you have um, an off-ice personality and then an on-ice personality. And your on-ice personality can have a quick temper. <laughs> and you shouldn't yeah. um, necessarily judge someone's on-ice personality as their entire character. And I get that when I'm playing with guys. Um, so if, if, if they're kind of pissed off by something that happens on the ice and they're yelling at me for it, I, I know, like, it's it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll get over it. They'll get over it. They'll forget about it in three seconds. Um, whereas, like, you would just wouldn't do that, like, in, like, the women's like, team. Or, really, like, it'd be hard to get away with it, I think. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's also, like, the highest level competition for, like, all three of us are kind of in that old category where it's kind of like it's not even like we're glad to be playing again like we're yeah. a lot of a lot of these guys this is like i'm, I'm gonna call josh out on this you sir <laughs> go from zero to a hundred like that on the ice i have heard you screaming from goal line to goal line to bench to goal line all at the same ref <laughs> when when every, tournament, every tournament that we've played at. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Dirk, back me up. Corey, you were in I, St. Louis. <laughs> okay, I think that we need to do like a podcast on like realizing what our actual skill level is as blind players. Because <laughs> it's, it's also hard to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I, I in my defense in Toronto, I didn't know that I needed to tell you people were in front of you because I didn't know you were a B1. And the way you played, I assumed you could see people right in front of you. Yeah. And I didn't find well, out. And, and that's the other thing. Game. And that, that's totally fair. Like, probably on a women's team, I would have said that ahead of time. But for, like, a men's team, like, I just, or not the men's, like, the mixed team, I was just, like, I don't know. Because well, you don't I, get I to talk in the locker room, like, when you... Yeah. yeah, that too. You missed the whole lot. Like, you were, you were like sitting in a locker room by in. yourself. Yeah. We're kind of uh, like ushered in and then ushered out. And yeah. Yeah. And then we I, just don't get that like camaraderie necessarily, but we do get it yeah. in the women's change room and when we do have those programs. And it's yeah. just so exciting to see like almost every year we have more and more women and girls coming and trying the sport. And, um, like I, I went oh, to Finland great. last year and there was five women there, I think. So that was also really exciting. Nice. I'm like, you guys have a full line. I'm like, you're set. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's definitely growing very quickly. I think that we just need to keep the momentum behind it and not necessarily treat it as we yeah. have our national team and then we have our women's national team. Um, something that, that did bother me and still kind of bothers me is use we had pink um jerseys given to us um for for that tournament um a couple of years ago um and this was the debut of like the women and girls program and i'm not against pink about as that. like a color but um and i think Haley wickenheiser wrote about this too was basically canada hockey basically the first time that they uh, had a national team they trotted them out in these cute kind of girly pinkish uniforms and she just said it, it made it kind of feel like a joke so i want to also kind of revamp the seriousness put into the women's game it's not blind ice hockey and then women's blind ice hockey um 
I, I kind of, I really want to focus on developing those two national programs concurrently um, and also just player development. So, Well, I think yeah. that's, that's kind of a double-edged sword too, though, because there are definite benefits to it being a women's, pro- you know, calling out, making sure that people know that this is a women's and girls program or women's, whatever you end up calling it. Yeah. Up calling. Um, you know, th- I, I do feel like with the PWHL, um, just with how the Olympics have gone, everything that people want more women's hockey. And so there's definitely more yeah. opportunity now than when like the three of us were growing up. Uh, Cause like, I remember. Yeah. It's, it's really just branding though. That's, yeah. I guess my biggest complaint. And if that's my biggest complaint, then I, I suppose that I don't have too much to worry about. No, um, I, I don't agree at all. I, because I, I actually wondered that when I saw the women's women's and girls development program and you guys were in black and pink, I wasn't sure how that would, would hit with all of you. Cause I'm sure some of you were like, Oh, this is awesome. I love pink. And I mean, I love, I think pink. most people didn't really care. Enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> I think really? a few people did. Yeah. But, and that's, and I think that that's the feedback that needs to be heard because it it is just a bunch of people that aren't in the yeah. room making the decision. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. To kind of like give an ex- example again, like women's sports are becoming so much more popular. Thankfully, with like the PWHL, really excited to go to one of their games soon. Um, hopefully, um, but. Um, yeah, like they're, for instance, like they're, they're, they did like signing bonuses and they did a whole draft for them. Like they really made it seem like the launch of a full new league that was treating women as though they were basically NHL players. I know it's not there yet, but they were treating them as though they were professional athletes. Um, yeah. Not, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's branding. I think it was the Rugby um, World Cup that, eventually decided to change their um because for instance for soccer you have fifa world cup and then you have the fifa women's world cup um so rather than doing that i think rugby world cup has just decided to do um basically by like the year that like so world cup 2022 or world cup 2023 rather than identifying them as men's or women's um, yeah, there are kind of things, it's definitely getting into the weeds of it, but I'm also happy to be the person doing it if, if no one else wants to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need, there, there need to be people that step up and take charge. And if there's someone there, then that's always a plus. And Hey, if you guys yeah. need non pink and black jerseys, I know a guy <laughs> that can make some for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> I, I think that they're they're they definitely are aware of my sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> we can do some really cool jerseys. I'm just saying, I, I got you. Ah, uh, but I love that. And I, I think that that's um, I think that that is slowly changing over. You know, with just the conversation in general, culture, people aren't as pigeonholed to blue and pink. Um, yeah, and so that's nice. But yeah, it's a bummer when. It, you know, it's something that that's that, that's as exciting as a women's and girls program development program being started. And then, you know, I'm sure from a PR perspective, they're like, this is great. 
because you know exactly who these people are based on the colors yeah, you put them in. Exactly. But if the players Yeah, vis- a visual PR perspective. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that like so our dented pucks jerseys have braille name bars. You can't actually feel them and like right. read it that way, but as a visual cue, people think, Oh, that's not normal. What is that? So it yeah, uh, that's yeah. how we utilize it. And I'm sure that's why the pink was used. But it's always a bummer when the player is like, what? Why am I wearing Yeah, well, and I think it's a balancing act between pleasing the people that are there and basically, like, when you want to reach out to a community, you need to make a spectacle that's loud enough that they hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, not spectacle as in something silly, but just putting on a, a big event um, that gathers people's attention and they certainly succeeded in doing that in um, 2021 at the Women and Girls um, Summit. So hats off to Canada Blind Hockey for accomplishing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's great that they are continuing to try and grow it. I've had conversations with Matt and Luca, you know, trying to get as many of our U.S. women uh, and girls yeah. involved as well. Because, you know, at this point, we're such a small community that if we don't work together, then we're we're just not going to work um so yeah yeah. no i'm excited i'm excited for that program i i don't know if i've ever said it on the podcast but winter olympics i love watching the the women's teams hillary knight is one of my favorite players um i just feel Uh, like there's such a difference in play style not that women aren't physical but there's definitely, at least in my eyes, a higher degree of skill involved because you're not reliant on just destroying somebody in the corner. You know, you have to get around them, through them. Um, it does yeah, take some it's skill a diff- to it's do a different that. Game. It's it is. It's it's a lot more communication. It's a lot more. Fl- it's it honestly is. It's, it's at some points it's higher intelligent ho- intelligence hockey than than their male counterparts. I, I didn't want to see it. <laughs> no, I was. But it really is. Like I actually, I I was a teacher and a coach for a long time. And let me tell you, girls are so much easier to coach than boys. They listen. They're smart, and they do exactly what you want. And sometimes when they when they want it when they want to change things up. It's positive as opposed to, you know, all right, you got to pass now. And but, yeah, yeah, last year we had a captain. No, no, a girl I, I was the captain of our 14 year. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. I interrupted you. Oh, oh no. I was saying that we, uh, my son's 14 U uh, team last year, we had a, we, we named the girl to be the captain. Um, and the second, the guy who was the best player, we made him the assistant captain mainly because he was more about the scoring goals. He, and he really wasn't as much as a team player as she was. So we made her the captain because, you know, 14-year-old girls are a lot yeah. easier to relate to than the 14-year-old boys. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, if you're picking a team captain, are you picking the best player on the ice or the best leader off the ice? Uh, yes. Or off, both on and off. So, all, all yeah, I know good choice. I played a girls team when I was in middle school. It's so like seventh, eighth grade. And they were the most cold-blooded, brutal team I've ever <laughs> played against. Our coach told us in the locker room, "This is we're playing a girls team. We're not checking. Don't don't hit them. They will call a penalty on you." So we all played really like <laughs> no, I don't want to touch you. They had no problem. I definitely yeah. got, like, ridden into the boards a couple times by a <laughs> girl as she's cross-checking me in the back of the head, and then no penalty. Oh, yeah, no brutal. Brutal. There I can be like some psychological warfare in women's games. Man, 
it worked. I'm that was like 20 years ago, and I am still scarred. So. We could tell. <laughs> it, it's scary, you, man. Do you think that's bad? I had some. I was playing high school hockey, and I remember short the short person in front of the net gave me a punch after the whistle, and I looked down at them. They were good, good six inches shorter than me, and I looked down and I'm like, really? And I just gave him one little, one little shove at him, like, get out, you know, get out of my face, you shrimp. You're not, I'm not going to swing on you. And I just gave him a little push, and they went down, and the whole crowd started booing me. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I, you know, I got a penalty. And I'm like, what is the big deal? And I go in the box, and my coach comes over and goes, hey, you know that was a girl you just hit, right? And I'm like, yeah, he was kind of, he was kind of, he was short. I'm like, wait, that, that was a girl? And he goes, yeah, dude, that was an actual girl. I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea because they didn't have, you know, I couldn't see. No, but, like, girl. to be honest, like, if you got a penalty for hitting a girl in that case, the rest well, no, because I, 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 I knocked her over. Remember, this is the 90s. No, but still, still, like if that was, like it a would male, happen. Like a male it, honestly, it would happen. It would happen if I'd hit a, a male that size too, because oh, they were they were half okay. my size, and I wasn't trying to knock them over. I think I just, oh. I think she was surprised that a guy would do that. I didn't know yeah. it was a girl. I just thought it was a little, little, no, you, you know, no, it was a little, cock, little arrogant little boy. I'm like, get out of my face, you know. I mean, I just gave him, I think he caught, she caught an edge. Really, I don't think I actually like not like she just, you know, tipped yeah. over. But they, well, the that, whole crowd was. Yeah, that's me. what I did to Gianna. She caught an yeah. edge. Yeah, I saw that. That's all, the other thing, I guess, with blind hockey is like you. I don't know. There's definitely that. Like I, I felt when I first joined, that people weren't passing to me unless until like they got to know me. Um, but I just found it interesting, like how much time people I guess spend trying to figure out other players, or how much energy a player can exert trying to figure out, I guess, the gender of another player on the ice when it's just totally unnecessary to the game or, like, the size of a player, for instance. Like, just play your game, and yeah. if the player is open for a pass, don't worry about if they have a ponytail or not. Just pass it to them. <laughs> like, don't, feel- don't use your minimal vision to <laughs> discriminate on the ice. If it makes you feel any better, Dirk doesn't care about any of that. He runs through everyone. He is an equal opportunity destroyer. Yeah, I take out refs, my own team. Like basically, <laughs> I'm like a T Rex. I sense movement. Anything that just comes near me, I just. Oh, and I guess attack. Josh is also an equal opportunity. And I take out Siska. <laughs> yeah, destroy <laughs> Siska. No, but that, that's how it should be. Like play, play your game. Don't don't play yeah. based on like who else no, is on the, the ice. Unless it's a safety Siska. issue. No, I mean, if I notice that as I'm going into the corner and I notice that the person I'm going against, if I have time to notice at all, which is very rarely, but if I do yeah. and I realize they're half my size, then I'll only apply enough force to accomplish my goals. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, when you see someone like David Clank or Belding going in the corner, someone that size, I'm like, I got to put everything I have into this because yeah. if I don't, I'm going to be the one that gets hurt. Yeah. But and so like, I'm not, me, not I'm trying to hurt them. You're just trying to, you're trying to equalize. Yeah. For me, that's so, actually interesting because I don't know until I'm in the corner and we're on top yeah. of each other. Yeah. So well, usually the biggest hits I have are head-on collisions because I have no central vision at all, and my vision uh, sends like false images. Now it shows me a clear open yeah, ice yeah. device. I'm like, oh yeah, I can see uh, straight ahead of me. Oh wait, no, I can't. And yeah. yeah. Or if it's Nick Boyvere, you just don't see him at all. I know. Uh, <laughs> 
I really don't. All of a sudden, I'm just skating along, and I'll just see a pair of legs, and all of a sudden, the legs go flying in one direction, and then I, <laughs> I feel the impact. And I'm like, oh no, I just I just ran somebody over. Looney Tunes, the legs are attached to the ground, still makes bodies fly. I just feel like at this point in in hockey that if you are brave enough to strap on the equipment and get on the ice and play the game, I don't care if you're a woman or a man. Yeah, yeah, playing hockey. Uh, you've made this decision and you understand you're also playing blind hockey. So yep. you understand the, high I know. Level. Yeah. I feel like the blind hockey, it definitely adds a level. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And at the open division too. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, and because well, at the open division, all, most of those kids, especially when you're playing in Canada, the, all those kids that aren't on team Canada are aspiring to be on team Canada. So like, that's their opportunity yeah. to show what they got. Yeah. And I actually played in the low vision division the previous year and thought that I should be moved up so I asked to be nice um because I I just found that one like almost too if people aren't moving in a way that's predictable I find it too confusing um so that's when it gets dangerous yeah yeah with Dirk and I and our B2s, because we move fast and we have to yeah. kind of use our hockey sense and know where people are. When you, That's kind of what, where we have those low vision guys. That's where it gets dangerous for us um, when they're yeah. not. Like you I said, predictable spaces. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I said, like you said, like when it's predictable and you understand where you should be, that's when mm-hmm. it gets a little less dangerous and a little more, you feel a little more safe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just felt like I could run into their defense at any point on the ice. Um, whereas when you're playing in the open division, that wasn't the case. But, yeah, the skill was I, – I just was so impressed by the skill level in the open division. Um, every year it definitely gets better. Um, and I think the pool, though, for both national teams are really expanding, which is also really exciting. And maybe that offers – kind of the opportunity to do like development squads or something. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So for my I guess our final final question for you, um, since you play soccer football, soccer in the States. Yeah. Uh shaded. What are your yeah. thoughts on playing hockey shaded? I would definitely try it. Um I don't know. I would definitely try it. I'd probably feel more comfortable with it in a sense because at least with blind football, like you have no like mobility device in terms of whereas like I really use my stick as like a cane on the ice to find the boards, to sweep for the puck, um, etc. Whereas you don't like you have your legs and soccer to sweep with and that's kind of it, and your arms to run into the boards with and so I think it'd feel a little bit safer, um, but I don't know. I'd, I'd definitely be open to trying it. Like I'm really open to trying any blind sport, to be honest. Um, I think it'd be really cool to try. I'm not sure what the buy-in is from people from with really low vision. Um, it's it's definitely a – it runs the gamut. Um, you know, we yeah. had uh, Trent – from columbus on last week and mm-hmm. you know we i asked him the same question because he also plays uh blind soccer and he his opinion was that 
it would slow the game down. He wouldn't feel as safe. But I also think that yeah. like, you've probably played a little bit longer than him. So maybe your comfortability in playing blind soccer equates to it feeling more safe to be on the ice in that same manner. Um, yeah, I feel like there's definitely trade-offs because like in, in soccer, again, you have no equipment um, and you're really not, um, but you're also not going as fast as you would be on skate. Um, yeah. there's boards in soccer, there's boards in hockey. Um, but I guess, again, the thing that I like about almost playing with people who have a bit more sight is the predictability of their moves in the game. Whereas I'm not sure that you would necessarily get that if everyone's blindfolded, if you could make kind of those, I don't know. I feel like I, I'd have to definitely play a different hockey game than what I'm playing now. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean I think that there's also levels of expertise. I'm sure that some people play faster, some people would play slower, some people Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think that that's kind of the incredible thing too, having been in this community, because you do we do have a a fair amount of low vision players that play in Mm -hmm. they're either coming up, they play in the open division, we've got a, a handful of them on the US team. Um each of them use, utilizes different tools to locate on the ice. Uh, and, yeah. you know, some people really get it, like Kevin Brown, who I'm pretty sure could find a penny anywhere on the ice, <laughs> too, if you told him where it was. Uh, He's great. Yeah, like <laughs> that guy, I still don't get it. Um, <laughs> and and then we have some some other players that, you know, even though they've been playing however long they've been playing, it's almost sensory overload when you have to take yeah. locating you're finding the puck you're thinking about other people you have your stick you're also skating your transit you know sometimes it gets to be that point where too much is going on for you yeah. Perspective. um yeah and i've definitely had that like in soccer where i'll come off the ice uh, the ice the pitch and i'll be just crying because i'm so overwhelmed with how disoriented i am Whereas I don't really get that in hockey, just because, again, everyone's moves are predictable. The puck kind of moves up and down the ice, whereas, like, sure, you're going back and forth at some points, but it's moving vertically. Um, Whereas there's a lot of lateral movement and turning around and just, again, unpredictability in blind soccer that makes it a bit more overwhelming. Um, And I played fairly competitive soccer growing up. And while it provided me with a decent foundation, like it's, it's, you can't say like, oh, I played soccer and then just jump into blind soccer. It's, it's a huge transition, both mentally and and physically and emotionally. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll see. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunities for advancements in our sport. So who knows where we're going to be in the next five years. Um, yeah, it's exciting to yeah. see how fast everything yeah. is moving. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for your time. Um, do you have a website for your your Oxford team? Do you have social media you want to shout out? Anything like that where people can find you if they want to connect? Um, If people want to find me on Instagram, I think I'm just... 
at hillary.scan, that's H-I-L-L-A-R-Y dot S-C-A-N. Um, you can follow the Oxford University Ice Hockey Club at um, O-U-I-H-C. And um, yeah, thanks so much, guys, for having me. And hopefully see you guys on the ice soon, um, along with some more women and girls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.